Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with Angela Kubiski, and I got to tell you, this episode is the one you really want to dig into. She totally nails it in talking about what's wrong with networking, what's wrong with business relationships today, and how you can really take relationships to the next level to drive sales for your business, to try to drive engagement for your business, and really, how do you make networking something that's incredibly valuable and profitable for your business? I loved my conversation with Angela. I think you're going to enjoy it. Hey, stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, you've checked out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Man, today's episode, we've had lots of great episodes, but today's episode is going to be a personal favorite of mine only because we're talking about something that so many of you have told me you hate, and that's networking. Not just networking, but also how do you actually drive sales to your business? How do you develop business for your business? We're going to be talking about that today. I'm sitting down with my friend, Angela. Angela, is it Kubiski? It is. Hey, look at that. I even said it right the first time. Angela Kubiski, who's joining us today. Angela, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you today? Blake, I'm doing well. Thank you for the invitation to speak to you and your listeners on the topic of networking, developing quality relationships, and business development in a climate that it's more important than ever before to make those solid connections. And you know what? You are so spot on. Like previous to Corona, I mean, this stuff was already important, but it feels like now more than ever, the depth of your relationships with your prospective clientele, not just your prospective clientele, but just, just, just people who are engaging with your business, it's more important now than ever. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, with, with, coronavirus kind of the craziness sort of um, hopefully we're past the the intense the most intense parts of it what are you thinking in terms of your own business in terms of other people's business you know what should people be thinking right now it's a great question and I wonder how many people are acutely thinking about what they should be thinking about because I'm <laughs> seeing that most people are missing the mark um, people are talking a lot about what they shouldn't be doing right now in networking and business development, and not a lot of people are talking about what they should be doing. Mm. So from my perspective, what people should be doing is basically almost the same things they have been doing pre-corona pre coronavirus environment today. So for example, as it pertains to networking. So if I was going to be invited to a networking event and I found out a little bit about the event ahead of time, reviewed the attendee list, found out who in that event I would really like to meet, start to build a relationship, and then discover how I can actually add value. It would put me ahead of the rest of the attendees because there are studies that show that only like one 
in maybe 100 individuals take the time to be deliberate about how they want to prepare for the event and what kind of value they want to get out of the event. So if you're like me and so many of my peers, you have been invited to a number of Zoom networking events where you find five and sometimes even up to 20 people on a Zoom call where people are just trying to connect, or even if it's one-on-one. And I'm finding out that they're still not preparing to attend that type of virtual networking event when in fact, if they did, it would set them apart and actually help them to make that connection to have some value in the future. So what I like to do is research some of the people online. And when I connect with them on the phone, whether it be one-on-one or in a big room, ask them, what are some of the biggest challenges that they're facing today? And how can I help you today? Not from a perspective of, I want you to buy my services or invest in you being my client. But if there's anything that I could do for you today, if I had a magic wand and I could wave it, what kind of help are you looking for today? And on the flip side, most people, Blake, don't know how to answer that question. Think about it. If someone were to ask you today, what can I do for you right now today to help you, to add value to your business, would you know, boom, how to answer it? Most people don't. So I'd like to challenge your listeners to really think about how they would answer that question and look for people to serve them in that capacity through their own network. Well, there's there's a lot to unpack there. And, you know, I, I think building from the, the back half there, you know, I think the reason people, it's so tough to answer that question is that not a lot of people are really out of the weeds of their own business. You know, they're really, it's, it's the whole expression of working in your business working versus working on your business. And I've noticed, especially in the consulting space, that people in general don't always have a very clear perspective of where they should be going or even what they should be working on. Right. And so, and, and we're all kind of this way in that what, whatever's top of mind is the immediate pain we're feeling right here and now. Right. And so, if like cash flow is tough, the magic wand we need is another customer. Or if, you know, this employee just walked out or quit, now we're thinking about management. You know, I, I think that's what makes that question so hard to answer is because we don't always, we just don't always know. The other part of that, and I think, and you might have a piece of advice here, it's a great question. But I think people have a hard time asking that question in a genuine, intentional way. Because think about it, we've all been on the sales call, or even not even the sales call, the networking call, where someone says, what can I do to help you today? And every person and their mom rolls their eyes, or they roll it internally, and they're like, oh, great, I'm about to be sold to. Even when you don't... And and, and this is what I love about what you're saying, is you're saying legitimately, how do you genuinely ask that question, even if they're not going to buy from you? But it's interesting because people have, we've, we've over, I don't say we've overused that statement. We've, we've lost our sense of genuineness where now we can't have an actual dialogue or real relationship with someone without them being suspicious of where, you know, where is he taking this? Where are we going with this? It's, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are there. Well, you make some good points. So I want to talk about, first of all, people who don't know exactly what they need help in because they're not out of the weeds. So that in itself, what you said should provide some revelation to our listeners. Are you that person? And if you are, 
you need even more revelation about what you need and how we can help you. So that's where networking actually can have a lot of value. Just start talking to people who are like you, your yeah, peers. That I like are that. In the same kind of space that you're in as an entrepreneur. Like you and I have a lot of similarities. I looked at your LinkedIn profile, looked at your website. We started our businesses around the same time. So if we started talking about the launch of our businesses, we'd probably figure out some synergies between our challenges. And through that networking conversation, we're building a relationship and we both have good intuition to figure out how we can add value to each other. So another way of saying, how can I help you should be, how can I add value to you? Because when we're in quality relationships, that is the, that is the secret sauce to mm. having someone build trust with you, right? That's why we need to find ways that we can add value to people because it does build trust. And when we earn someone's trust, then perhaps we get a referral a lot easier and right. we go deeper in that relationship. Well, so and then, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just, I just want to ask okay. a question on that real quick. And I apologize for interrupting you because I know we're, we're balancing two different conversations here, which is great. I love it. The, the, even like everything you just said right there, I think if someone could master that, you know, I'm, I'm going to build trust with someone, I'm going to offer value and it's going to develop an actual relationship. I think, I think that in and of itself is an incredible insight. Yet it feels like people have such a hard time executing on that concept. Like it's like, everyone's like, yes, I need to, I need to build value. I need to build trust. But then the actual now go do, it's like, okay, what do I, what do I do now? In fact, I've seen some people who don't even know what that word means. They'll say, hey, I want you to buy from me and I'm just trying to give you value. And it's like, well, no, that expression isn't about you buying. It's about, it's about leading with, it's sort of like the altruistic, here's something I'm going to give you that will help you. And it may lead to the sale. And so are people just struggling with sales in general? Are there just bad habits out there? I mean, why does it feel like people can't really execute on such a simple but wonderful concept? I think it's because they don't have enough margin in their life. I think if they were to slow down, stop, really do a self-evaluation, create more self-awareness in their lives, that they would have a lot more revelation about how these things evolve, how people could be attracted to our world, find out more about what we're doing for our clients and why our clients are raving fans of ours and why they should be engaged with us. I think it has a lot to do with them being spread too thin and not having enough time to really think about what is next in their business. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I, I did cut you off. <laughs> if you wanted to go back to what you were going to finish with earlier. Well, we talked about people don't really know how to ask for help or what kind of help we need. And I think the savvy networkers out there like you and me and some of your listeners have to kind of own up to helping them figure it out. Hmm. So when we, we, we know how to read body language. So when someone is answering and they're uncomfortable with the question, rescue them. Hmm. Say, look, you know, maybe you don't know the answer to this question, how I can help you. But let me just tell you some of the people that I was chatting with last week who I networked with one-on-one, -on -one, some of the challenges that I'm hearing today. And using your intuition, try and find somebody that could be experiencing the same exact challenges of the person that you have in front of that, in front of you, and then use some of the solutions that you provided to the other person that might be helpful to them. 
So just for an example, say, hey, look, I was just reading one of my buddy's LinkedIn profiles. He had happened to ask me for feedback. And I knew what this guy did really well. And when I read his LinkedIn profile, you know, I, he asked for the feedback, so I gave it to him. It was kind of missing the mark. I didn't see some of the services on his LinkedIn profile that he offers, so I gave him some ideas about, about how he could enhance his profile. So I feel like it's something that I could probably, you know, offer you if that's, if that's help that you would like to see. So I'm just trying to help people in my network. Anything that I could do for you in this environment that's going to add value, I just want you to know that I'm here for you. It's tough out there to make new connections. So the existing connections that we have, it's even more important to take a deeper dive to find out how we can add value. Mm, I love that. And it, so it, rescue it, them. Tell well, them how you can help them. Know it, your own strengths and let them leverage it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like for like entrepreneurs, especially that this kind of this conversation of how do I need help is a bit difficult to, because here's what I'm thinking about is, it feels like, especially in the entrepreneurship world, you, it's already hard enough to be an entrepreneur. But on top of that, separate from business ownership, entrepreneurship has sort of a stigma or a, a cliche to it of it being this very sexy, you know, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Oh, it's amazing. You know, you get on LinkedIn and I have my other monitor here. You get on LinkedIn and people are talking about you know, the people they're helping and they're writing this awesome story about a client they served. And, and, and I'm not saying any of it's not true, although some of it probably isn't. But it almost feels like there's this game we play, especially on social media of I have to show I have it all together. I have to show that I know exactly what I'm doing. And so when we get on the subject of being willing to share what I need help with, or how you can help me or what I'm struggling with, uh, it, it almost feels like entrepreneurs separate from everyone else can be a bit hesitant to really say, hey, I need help, help getting customers. Hey, I need help with my cash flow. Hey, I need help you know, with X, Y, and Z. In fact, I even have a Facebook group of, it's got something like 150 entrepreneurs in it. And I, I can't think of the last time that one of them, actually, I can think of one person in the last month who just you know, bared her soul and was like, I am having a tough time. And it was like, you're not the only one. It's just that everyone else, there's just something awkward, I guess, in the entrepreneurial space about saying, hey, I don't have it figured out. I don't have it, you know. So it, have you seen something similar? I mean, is it is it something that's specific to entrepreneurs? I mean, what do you think? I think all of it is true. And I would the advice that I would give to that particular individual is to get very serious about your personal development because we all suffer from being insecure at some level. Some of, us have, yeah. some of us have very deep insecurities that show up every day, all day. And some of us have just a little bit of insecurity because we've worked so hard on our personal development and professional development. I should say personal growth and professional development, which I am an, I am an extreme enthusiast on both, which is why I think it's a lot easier for someone who's working on themselves personally that they could be a lot more open and vulnerable when the opportunity is presented to us by someone they trust to tell them, look, this is where I think I'm struggling the most. And I could see that you have a lot of wisdom in this area because of your success. And it would be amazing just to get some feedback about how you think I should move forward, what my next steps are. It takes a lot of trust to be able to ask a person that. So where are you in your relationships? I would ask that person. Like, if you feel hmm. that insecure about opening up, 
then perhaps we need to start thinking about the relationships that you have and can we do a better job with building trust in those relationships so that we can be more open, which could lead to solutions beyond our own ability to figure out. You know what that reminds me of is just entrepreneurship in general, or I guess even just business ownership. I think the the personal journey side of it is also not very sexy, but I mean, what you're talking about is someone realizing, hey, these are these things that are these deep limitations. And I don't, I don't even mean like limiting beliefs in terms of like, maybe like, you know, I don't think I'm worth much. I'm not going to charge much. I mean, like these things that maybe are blind spots that like part of the journey of entrepreneurship is you're sort of, you're sort of uncovering these things that are keeping you from more success. And it's not very fun, I guess, to walk through those things. But I guess the ones who make it long term are the ones who are willing to say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to work on that. And not only that, I think the ones that are making it long term are exhibiting a lot of courage and that they were brave in the beginning. And, you know, like when I started my own business only a year and a half ago, I had a very robust network because I'm a former chamber executive. So you can imagine we had a thousand members that represented over a hundred thousand people in the workforce. And I was able to connect with so many people and I loved building relationships. So I started my business with everybody in my network, having the interest in what am I doing now and where am I going with it and how can they help and support me? And the reason why I had that kind of attention is because I spent so many years finding ways that I could add value to people in my network and not ever thinking that I deserved anything back from them. So when we have a mindset of giving, serving, supporting without any mindset of saying, okay, well, what are you going to do for me now? What are you going to do in return? Then we put something out to the universe that eventually comes back to us when we need it the most Mm. and when we know how to leverage it. So My advice to any entrepreneur who is struggling is to really ask themselves, what have they done to build a robust network? How would they measure their ability to network effectively? And what new strategy can they put into place to propel them for more success? Because we all know that unless people are invested in our success, starting with ourselves, we really have to be invested in our own success as an entrepreneur. We have to believe in what we do. And and like Simon Sinek said in his book, start with why. Mm. Why are we doing it? Why do we choose this path? And how is it going to make a difference in our clients' lives? Because if you didn't exist, if your business didn't exist, would it matter? And if it doesn't matter, I would pivot. and i think that's that's kind of the key right it's it's it doesn't and it doesn't even matter if you think it matters it's will your customers think that it matters because i feel like you know everyone and their mom it's oh what i'm doing so important oh it's so different it's so it's new it's innovative what have you and then they can't find any customers and prospective customers are like why would i want that i don't i don't care about that um and, I'll, and I'll, you can, you know, you could start by asking your current clients. Like, if we never connected, if you were not my client, what would your world look like? Would it matter? And they would think that when we might, we might have wound up with your competitor over here, but look, this is what we're hearing about them now. Or, you know, we don't think that we would have had this solution that you provided us. So, asking for feedback from your clients in a very professional manner, not that you're trying to get your ego. Sh- 
stroke is a great way to really have an understanding of the value that you're mm. delivering. Well, and what I like to do is, you know, I have a mid-contract survey, but then I have an end-of-contract meeting where it's, they've, we've finished the work together and we sit down and I say, hey, this isn't a sales call or this isn't a sales meeting. We're not talking about the next contract. We're talking about literally, how did I do and was it meaningful? And if it was, great. Let's talk about the next thing then. And if it wasn't, let's talk about what went wrong and what needs to change. And I, I think you're so right. I don't know if we always pursue... In fact, I had one person who told me that she knew she had done a bad job. And I said, well, did you ask for feedback around it? And she, go, and she said, no, because I, I knew it would hurt my feelings too much. And I was like, there's no space in this game for hurt feelings. No, not at all. <laughs> but you know really... what? You know how you can avoid that? Don't do, don't do that type of survey or interview yourself. Hmm. Actually retain a trusted advisor. I have a marketing firm that I work with that I actually outsource that exercise to. And they will call my clients and conduct an interview to get feedback about my performance in the contract. And then they send it all back to me. And the way they position it, it almost looks like a really fancy outsourced <clears throat> survey that you would get like from a hospital after you got home from a visit, but it's verbal. Sure. So they're much, people are much more open when it's not direct because, yeah, people do think they might hurt your feelings. Yeah, which is interesting because even if you – I've noticed that even when you ask people or you, you, you brief them on the front end, you say, hey, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I really want to know. Be as direct as possible. People still may not tell you exactly what they think. Right. And, is, and you know what? You know. Feedback is such a gift. So I hope people will listen to this and say, you know what, I'm going to pivot the next time someone asks me for feedback and be as honest as I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, this has all been great so far. I'm a big fan of you already. Uh, we you. have to back up. I got I to gotta know more about you specifically. Um, I don't even know where you're zooming in from right now. You know, <laughs> where are you? Talk to me about who you are a little bit. I want to I get a little bit of the story of Angela um, before we run out of time. Sure. I'm from New Jersey, northern part of New Jersey. I'm about 45 minutes from Manhattan. And um, I started my career in banking. I made it to the VP level. I was in charge of marketing, business development, new branch openings, and training and development for one of the largest banking institutions in New Jersey. And while I was a banker during the last 10 years of my career, I was a very active member of a regional chamber of commerce and i was so passionate about their mission because it really served the community well so when i was a member there they had about 500 member companies that used the chamber for networking business development purposes education public policy they had a lot of different committees and because i was in banking for so long i actually used the chamber as a resource to stay very stimulated and engaged because at that point in my career, I could do my banking job in my sleep with my hands tied behind my back. It just got a little boring for me. And so I dived deep into being a volunteer leader and I pioneered one of the most profitable and popular programs called their Women in Business Program. And that was back in 2005. Well, by the time 2008 came and the banking crash happened, I had decided that I needed a change. And I really was passionate about their organization. So I did a SWOT analysis in the very beginning of 2008. 
And I had come up with all the reasons why they were not experiencing extraordinary growth. So I put this SWOT analysis in a very formal report and reorganized the entire organization from a staff perspective, volunteer leadership perspective, and how they recruit and retain members and gain sponsorships. So I did this with the hope that they would offer me a job, and they did. I took a 30% cut in pay, took the job as an executive for the chamber, and stayed there for 10 years. Wow. Well, during that 10 years, I more than doubled my salary, doubled the organization in size of members. And when I got there, there was no money in the bank, and I left them with $1.5 million in a bank for a $2.1 million budget. Well, I dealt with entrepreneurs all day long because most of the members of the organization, 60% of them were small business owners between zero and 10 employees. So I got a lot of experience and understanding of what the challenges and success stories were of entrepreneurs. And because I'm so excited about business and I have a decent level of business acumen because of my career as a banker, as well as diving into education myself. I'm an avid reader, love to go to seminars, love to listen to other successful business executives about their strategies and how they execute them. So all of this information that I acquired, I was able to, to share with the members and really help their businesses thrive. And I have a pretty decent um, political antenna too. So I very much enjoyed working with local, state, and federal government officials to help the businesses get what they needed from that arena. It, there's no better time right now to be a business, to be a chamber executive, because they're just at the forefront of helping the businesses survive the coronavirus. Um, so after 10 years, honestly, Blake, I had had enough of the events. Sometimes I was doing four events a day. We did over 300 events a year. Uh, yeah. And the average size of our event was 100 people. And everybody wanted to talk to me because I was the one in charge. I was the chamber executive. So I had gotten a little bit burnt out and I wanted a new challenge. And the entrepreneurial spirit inside of me just totally came alive. And I created my company based on the biggest demand of my services when I was a chamber executive, which was, Angela, can you train us how to network more effectively? And can you help us? figure out a better strategy on our business development so that we can earn more clients. So I picked two verticals primarily to work with, um, lawyers and accountants, who are not really hired for their expertise in business development and networking, but right. for their amazing mind for the law and accounting services. Those were the two most popular verticals in my office, and I did really well working with them teaching them, training them, helping them, creating strategy for them. So I have a variety of law firms who have retained my services for training and development, but also marketing strategy and execution. So I'm like their outsourced mm -hmm. um, marketing department, business development department, both sure. for law firms and accounting firms. And I also work with manufacturing companies to help them figure out a community relations strategy but one of the most favorite things that I do is consult membership organizations. So because I came from that background, both in credit union land and chamber of, uh, chamber of commerce land, it's all about members. 
I'm being retained by associations and chambers to help their members see a, a more robust value proposition, but also to recruit and uh, retain members. So, and sponsorships and stuff like that. And actually, since business is slow right now because of COVID-19, I created a new service um, by helping people create a LinkedIn profile that really grabs the attention of their visitor. So I'm writing the about section on my client's LinkedIn profiles to help engage their visitor so that they stay and want to make a connection offline, not just online. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about me. Man, I have like, you know, 20 different ways I want to go in this conversation that I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, but I have to, I have to choose, pick and choose my battles here. Not even battles, just things to comment on. I will say it really sounds like your chamber had a significant impact in your area. And I, and, and I'm not knocking chambers, but so I, I, I have a, I have a local group for entrepreneurs and I have an online one and one's in like, one has like 150 members. The other one has 400 members. And the only reason anyone's in this group is because they get value from it that they don't necessarily get from their local chamber. Meaning the miss that I've seen happen with some chambers, not all, some chambers is it's essentially event planning and there's no real intentional effort to create value. And so you talked about how, you know, there's so many people, I mean, you're building this ripe network of people that you're just trying to impact. You, you know, you really have a heart for these entrepreneurs for us in our area. That's a group that I don't know if they are fully supported. Um, most often when they go to a networking event hosted by a chamber, it's usually sell central. It's, it's high. Here's my card. You know, it's a card swaps, what have you. And so it, it feels like you've, you've sort of created a name for yourself by really approaching that, that chamber um, experience from a, a different, a different way. And I don't know if that just is something that just has always come natural to you. It sounds like you are a natural connector and a natural networker. Um, but I, I think if other chambers could really mimic that, it would have a pretty significant difference, especially right now in COVID world. I would agree. I mean, the chambers that you're describing have leadership that may have not spent a lot of time in the private sector, understanding the importance of achieving their goals, making a profit, hitting the bottom line, answering to a private board, answering to leadership that is savvy. There's a lot of unfortunate nonprofits out there that don't get the pressure, I think, of a private sector company to produce value for their constituents. And I have seen that in some chamber leadership, and I'm trying to change it. If a chamber is not involved with their trade association, which there's two of them, there's one called the, Associ the National Association of Chamber of Commerce Professionals, and the other one is the United States Chamber of Commerce. Both of those organizations are vital to help leaders. And also a leader, no matter where you're leading, has to be an exceptional listener. Mm. So are they listening to the needs of their members or are they just producing events because it's what they've been doing year after year after year? Oh, we've always done it this way. 
well, that's stale and that's not working. I mean, we needed to do two things, produce value and produce revenue. Mm-hmm. And the second never came before the first. Mm. I love that. Now, you know, you're on your own entrepreneurship journey right now. And I, you've even mentioned how you've pivoted a bit and you're, you've rolled out this LinkedIn offering as well. But just looking back over the last 18 months, I mean, you and I have both been in business around the same amount of time. How's the uh, entrepreneurship journey been for you? A lot more difficult than I thought it would be. <laughs> Isn't that the I truth? Mean, it took me, it took me a good, um, I would say a good eight months before I landed my really first yeah. great client. Yeah. And, um, before coronavirus hit, I was up to five awesome clients and I had a very robust pipeline for business that I really desired. I mean, yeah. as what I didn't realize is that as an entrepreneur, I thought I was just going to pick and choose, pick and choose my clients, but unique clients. So yeah. if the scope of work isn't exactly what you like, well, tough. You got to yeah. do what you got to do to put food on the table, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So I am I am accepting some work right now that isn't really the type of work that I thought Amplified Business Connections would be getting, uh-huh. but I'm doing it because the other work is still yet to come and I'm still being prepared for it. But it's tougher than I thought because I didn't think I would be home as much as I am. Well, now with this isolation, you don't really have much of a choice. But even before then, I was finding myself out of my home office only two days a week, mm-hmm. which is um, two days not enough. I need right. to be out. Well, I need to be home only one day a week. Right. So that part I don't like at all. And um, so I'm working on. Well, it's, I'm working on it. it. It's interesting how. It's just it's it's interesting how social media has really warped our perspective of entrepreneurship. Meaning, I mean, I I could point to a dozen different digital gurus who would talk about how it's it's the overnight success story. Basically, it's the person who says something like, um, you know, I was selling watermelon on the corner of the street, and then I had this idea for an offering. Now, three months later, I'm an eight-figure business owner and you can be too if you buy this course from me or, or what have you. And I, you know, just like exactly what you're talking about, I have a story real quick of there's a guy local here who he's in charge. He's, he helps run our local airport. He, helps, he has helped one, run one of our local fortunes. He's incredibly experienced. Him and I sat down for coffee and I was, I don't think I was quite to the eight month mark. I think I was around maybe five months or six months, but very sparse in terms of clientele, in terms of paying clientele. And I was kind of like, what, is, like, what am I doing wrong? And so I was picking his brain on like, what's going on? Like, what do I need to do? And he basically was like, how long have you been in business? And I was like, I think like four or five months. And he was like, oh, you're fine. He said, you just need more time. That's all you need is just more time. And exactly what you said around that maybe six, seven, eight month mark is when the momentum really started to click and turn into paying customers. I don't, I don't know if a new entrepreneur is prepared for that kind of timeline or journey. And eight months in this world feels like 16 months in any other world. Sure. But, you know, I, I failed to finish that. Like after I finally got these five or six really awesome clients and I was serving them for three months, um, all but one terminated 
terminated. Like they wouldn't, it was a month to month and they wouldn't go further because of Corona and they just were, the uncertainty was overwhelming them. And then the pipeline that I had, everybody was like, we're on pause for everything. Right. And you have to be understanding. I'm not a not going to yeah. say, well, you really need to market anyway. That's just yeah, not yeah. In part of my value system. Sure. But what is part of my value system in this environment is, like you said, giving stuff away for free because you said paying clients. Like for the LinkedIn business that I'm focusing on, I gave away three LinkedIn profiles today just to be able to show people examples uh-huh. of, of the value that I can deliver in this service so that maybe when the time is right, they can refer me to someone who has the means to make that type of an investment. It helps me and it helps them. Well, and I think that's, it's a tough line to walk because in some ways people are a bit obnoxious with, you know, never give anything away for free, always charge top dollar. And it's like, okay, let's pump the brakes just a little bit. I think right now is exactly what you're saying. It's a great time to really build up good faith in people, but also to build up some reps with, even if they're not paying customers so that it does come back to you down the road. I mean, I know for me, when Corona hit, uh, it was something, it was a local business that had like 25, 30 employees. And they basically had to let go almost all the employees right off the bat. I mean, they didn't have the cash flow, And that, that really bothered me because it's a local business. And so what I did was I said, hey, if you are a small business in Northwest Arkansas, I will offer my services to you for free until all of this is said and done. And I remember my wife had almost kind of a mini panic attack because, you know, we're all thinking about cash. And she's like, you're going to help these people without them paying you? Like, how are we going to get fed? Like, how are we going to... But, but in my mind, it was like, you know, when all this stuff is said and done, those are the people who are going to remember the help that they were given. And, and not that anyone owes me anything, but I, I think in some ways, people have to have a long-term strategy, especially during times like these, rather than just always going from, I got to make the sale, I got to make the sale, I got to make the sale. I don't know how sustainable that is, especially with coronavirus. Yeah, it's all about mindset. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing it more than people who are skeptical and not doing it. For example, I opened up my mail last week and I got a letter. Only last only last week this happened. I got a letter from my life insurance company, uh, State Farm. I'll give them a plug. And they said, if you're having trouble during this environment with your expenses, we'd like to extend to you the opportunity to not have to pay your life insurance premium up to three months. If this is something you'd like to take advantage of, please call us. I'm like, my life insurance premium isn't cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Both me and my husband have the coverage that we want. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Well, Salesforce is giving away Salesforce for free right now. And a lot of the educational platforms that adult use for adult learning, they're free. There's a lot well, of stuff out there for free. And bringing it full circle, I mean, you, men- you mentioned the expression raving fans. Being proactive with that kind of stuff is how you build those raving fans. I mean, you just gave exactly. the plus one shout out to State Farm. Uh, I will not give a shout out to my mortgage company who I had, I had the means to pay my mortgage. But I was just thinking, I'd heard about uh, mortgage companies doing forbearance and pushing payments down the road. And I thought, okay, I don't know what the future is going to look like. So if I can set that cash aside in case there's an emergency, I'd like to do that. And I remember calling, and this was maybe late March or maybe early April. And they were like, oh, well, no, we can't, we can't delay payments. You're going to have to pay all your stuff. Which I was really? like, That's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I was like, that's really annoying, but okay, I guess I'll, I'll do that. So I paid, paid my mortgage. Well, then they sent out an email saying, hey, if you do want forbearance, this was maybe like two weeks later, just as like public outcry, I guess, kind of grew. They were like, if you do want forbearance, call us, we'll make it happen. So I called them and they said basically, okay, well, here's the catch. We're going to delay your payments for three months, but at the end of three months, you have to pay all of it back in a lump sum. Well, I don't know. I'm like, who the heck wants to pay four months of mortgage in one month? So I'm like, okay, well, never mind. I'm still, I can still pay my next mortgage. It's not a big deal. Uh, but by the way, this has been really obnoxious. Well, finally, like two weeks later, like the end of April, they come back, they come around and they say, hey, we're actually going to do a legitimate forbearance three months till end of July. And we're just going to add on three months at the end of um, you know, your 30 year, whatever. Uh, if you want to do this, reach out to us which I thought, that's great. I really appreciate that. But you would have built so much more trust if you had led with that rather than making me feel like I'm inconveniencing you. You know, because, you know, I'm, I was blessed in that I was okay financially to be able to cover it, but I can already think of customers of theirs right now who maybe they couldn't make that mortgage payment, who all they're thinking about is, how do I get out from this company and get my mortgage with somebody else? Yeah. Same thing is true, by the way, with, I don't know if you've been following these... Um, PPP loans, but there's there's people right now who are thinking about I'm going to be changing banks as soon as possible because the bank that I've banked with with for years could not help me get my PPP loan or you know didn't give me the attention I deserved. You know it's it's a great time right now to really build your raving fans, but if you're not careful, there's a lot of harm you can do as well if you're really not thinking about the customer first. Absolutely, and I think people who are sensitive about relationships and understand the value of keeping a relationship versus losing one and having to replace it are going to really see the return on that investment long term. Blake, it was so wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you for your time. Do you have anything? I usually at the end of an episode, I give the guests about 30 seconds to a minute. If you want to pitch or promote anything or how people can reach out to you today, I mean, what would that look like? Well, I would love for people to consider my LinkedIn offering. So I challenge your listeners to visit their own LinkedIn profile and actually read it. When's the last time we read our own LinkedIn profile? And focus specifically on the about section, which used to be called the summary. This particular area should be written in the first person. So you should actually be speaking directly to your reader when they land on your about section and not like it's a bio that someone's reading from a podium about you. (laughs) And let's get a little bit more creative about how we summarize ourselves to the people who's stopping by. If writing is not your forte, well, it happens to be mine. Would love to hear from you. Angela at AmplifiedBusinessConnections.com or my phone number is 973-270. 8855. Thanks, Wonderful. And I will make sure that I put the email address in the episode description. Uh, Angela, it's been amazing. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Blake. And for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Absolutely follow up with Angela. She's going to give you a lot of value for you and your business. Hey, if you've never checked out this episode before, what are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so you continue to get good advice for you and your business. And if you love this episode, definitely give us a five-star review. Hey, we'll be in touch. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.